This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 10% off your new account, go to squarespace.com slash twip. This week on Twip, Nick Software releases new plugins for Photoshop Lightroom, PhotoFocus, and TwipLog.com. Can't we all just get along? And special guest Scott Bourne joins in on the discussion. All that and much, much more coming your way next on episode number 85 of This Week in Photography. Welcome back to another exciting episode of This Week in Photography. I'm Frederick Van Johnson, and here on the show this week, we've got the usual cast of characters. We've got Mr. Ron Brinkman. Hey, Ron. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, I think it's going great with us. Uh, Steve Simon, how are you doing? Hey, guys. Good to be here. Aaron Mailer, what's going on? Oh, doing well. How are you? Doing well. And a very, very special guest. Mr. Scott Bourne. Hey, Scott. Hey, wait a minute. How come I'm here? Because supposedly there's some big fight between us. Why would I be on the show if that were true? <laughs> I know. Because, you know, we, we secretly lured, lured you to be on the show so that we could do a roast. So it get, oh, I be prepared. You know, this is I just came because somebody said something about Hooters and Kentucky Fried Chicken. So I showed up. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's, is, that the, is that the Scott Bourne bait? That's all you need? Hooters That's and, all you, it, Hooters, the, a, Hooters, the restaurant, right? Is what you're talking about. Hooters is the restaurant, but I prefer the Kentucky Fried Chicken to there. So, okay, I go to I'm, Kentucky I'm here, Fried Chicken. I'm here because I I heard Scott Bourne was like giving away free stuff. Oh, <laughs> that could happen. You never know. Scott Scott has a stockpile. I've seen photos of Scott's stockpile of stuff to give away. It's uh, it's insane. Uh, before we jump into all this cool stuff we have to talk about, let's uh, give a nod to our sponsor, who is Squarespace.com. They're the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. And for a free trial and 10% off your new account, you can head over to Squarespace.com slash TWIP and offer or enter the offer code TWIP. And still, we have our uh, linking contest in effect. Scott, well, we were linking, the linking contest previously was linking over to twipphoto.com or driving people to do that. Do we want to switch that over to the to your new home? Well, we do have a new linking contest, and it is at photofocus.com. And mm. if you did link to twipphoto.com, all that's going to happen is it gets redirected um, to photofocus. But we prefer people to link to photofocus.com, and we're giving away a free copy of Apple's Aperture to a randomly selected winner every quarter. Very cool. And that's uh, when, so to a randomly selected winner every quarter. So can we've I, only can been, I, we've can only I win that? On, <laughs> we've only been on for like two minutes. He's already given something I'm away. Trying to figure <laughs> out, I'm trying it. to figure out how I can get that. That's all. Uh, you cannot get that. <laughs> You're not eligible to win. The randomly selected winner excludes uh, Born Media Group employees, friends, associates, and family members. Uh, which one of those would I be? Any you'd like, <laughs> sir. <laughs> cool. All right. Thanks a lot, Scott. Um, you know, we, we've got a lot of news to talk about, and but at the top of the news, and coincidentally, or not so coincidentally, the reason why Scott Bourne has graced us with his presence again on the show is we want to talk about the new blog, which we... Uh, sort of foreshadowed at the beginning. Photo Focus, Scott's new venture that just kicked off. What? How how long ago did that kick off, Scott? 
Well, a couple of days ago in some respects and December 11th, 1998 in others. Okay, do tell. Give us give us the elevator <laughs> speech on what PhotoFocus is and who it's for. Okay, PhotoFocus is what Twip Photo used to be. Just a quick rundown. I'm totally, frankly, amazed at the free time some of our audience seems to have and the things that they've decided to speculate about. But just to let everybody know that Twip, the podcast, has always been owned by Alex Lindsay and Pixel Core. I have never owned the podcast. I have always owned, however, the TWIP blog, which we had at TWIPphoto.com. This was the division of our business interest. Not that it's really anybody's business, but I'm telling people what it is anyway. <laughs> and and so the agreement was that, you know, Alex always owned the show. I always owned the blog. And, you know, we've worked together on and off for 10 years. He is still my friend and always has been and always will be. We just have different business interests. He has a company and I have a company, and we just decided it was time for the business interests to be a little bit more clearly defined. So I'm taking the blog, he's taking the podcast, and as a result, there are two new entities being generated. Twiplog is the new blog for This Week in Photography, yep. and PhotoFocus, which is my blog, is going to have a new podcast associated with it called PhotoFocus. However, everyone keeps saying, how come you're not on Twip anymore? <laughs> Except that I'm on TWIP right now, and anybody that paid attention, I was on TWIP six times last month doing shows from PMA, and I've been on every month since I left as co-host. So there seems to be a lack of reality in some of these assertions. I'm here. I'm going to continue to be here, and anytime you all want me to stop by, I will be here. You might have also noticed there's a giant link to TWIP on photofocus.com, which would not be there if there was some sort of animosity. It's, it's, we are friendly, and I like to think of this as spinoff. You know, uh, Fred is, is Seinfeld, and, and I'm Kramer. And so, so this isn't like a Lennon and McCartney split, then? No, there's no split. The word split is not appropriate or real, and, you know, I guess it makes people happy to try to gin up controversy where none exist, but no, there's no split. We are symbiotic. In fact, you are all welcome to contribute at any point in time to PhotoFocus, although I could never get you to do it when it was TWIP. I think a better, a better comparison of the, the spinoff would be, this is like uh, The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. There you uh, go. That's I'll, right. I'll play the part of John Stewart. Yeah, and uh, you can <laughs> be so you can be Stephen Colbert. How's that? That's the Colbert's <laughs> numbers are better. I just thought I'd point that out. <laughs> well, you, are they really? Oh, they man. have been. They have been. Well. Um, yeah. So there's no division. We're just we're just separating. It's it was a little confusing to people for the Twip podcast to be associated with my blog. So we've simply solved that problem. Now all the legacy content that was at Twip Photo is now at Photo Focus. So everything that was there has been moved, and we're writing new stuff. So that's the big deal, photofocus.com. It's basically going to be the same experience, and I suggest that you subscribe to all the podcasts and all the blogs. And yes, we're going to launch a podcast in a few days called PhotoFocus, and it's going to star Rick Salmon and I, and all we're going to do is Q&A. That's it. We're not going to do anything else, just Q&A. It it's not going to conflict with TWIP. It's going to be three times a month instead of four, blah, blah, blah. We can go into that some other time. But I do want to mention that... Um, one of my staff made me aware of a comment um, made by an individual, and that's the adjective I'm choosing to use rather than the one I want to, uh -oh. said I was stealing the thunder of TWIP. Well, PhotoFocus started publishing on December 11th, 1998, and if you go to Wayback Machine, 
you can verify that. And I've been writing content about photography online since that date at that site. And all, all I'm doing is making that the site again for all of my writing. I'm not trying to steal any thunder. And I don't know how I can steal what I've already written and it's mine in the beginning way. But anyway, um, there's, there's, there's no, listen, we're all friends. And everybody thinks there's some kind of big problem. There isn't. Or I wouldn't be here and there wouldn't be a link on the blog. So we, you know, I don't think we need to say anything more about it. I think there's plenty of room. There's no scarcity in the podcast and blog world. It's not like there are three networks and you got to pick one. There's more information that can be you know, disseminated this way, and we can help each other grow audience. And I'm still thrilled and proud to call you all my friends and happy to visit this show anytime you want me as a guest. So can we have a, a group hug? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I want to hug the Cylon, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of the Cylon, Ron Brinkman, can you just say something so people can know that you're, you're gradually being uh, converted into a machine? By your command. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'll apologize right now that my, my microphone is less than up to snuff this week. I, uh, I'm, I'm down in California, and my good microphone is still up in Seattle, unfortunately. <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. I kind of like it like this. You're like the uh, you're the, the robot on the show. It's really so don't expect even- I was going to say, don't expect any long soliloquies from me uh, on this episode. <laughs> He's not even one of the cool Cylons. He sounds like one of the old ones, the metal ones. He is. Yeah, totally. With the with the red eye. We did launch Twiplog thanks to uh, the, the tireless efforts of Mr. Aaron Mailer building that thing and uh, populating it and writing code to make things happen on there. So a huge thank you to Aaron for uh, putting up with the unresponsiveness of lots of people uh including myself and the all of the all of the twip crew you know we just didn't really give aaron a whole lot of input but he was able to pull that thing off and uh make it look as good as it does and we do still realize that it's a work in progress and we'll look as continue. good as it does That's, i'm gonna take that very- no i meant i meant i didn't mean in a negative way it, <laughs> no, looks, no. it looks good but it's a beta i'm putting it in a negative way not <laughs> it's a beta we know it's a beta and we want it to be kind of clay that we can massage like into the perfect Fred, form. Fred, let me give you some tips. Uh, don't tell your girlfriend she looks less fat today. Than- <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean, Aaron. It's, uh, it's a great site, and I think uh, Squarespace that's powering the site is brilliant. I didn't have much experience with them other than just sort of playing around with them when I first heard about them, but uh, working with Aaron and sort of di- diving in there a little bit deeper to see what the, the power of that engine can do, it's crazy. So, Aaron, your experience in there, working with their the sort of the metaphor that they put in place for building websites, how, how's it been? I gotta say, it's, it's really pretty impressive. I mean, I'm, my background, I'm a network administrator, programmer, so on. I'm used to doing everything pretty much on the metal and, and uh, you know, kind of rolling my own when it comes to building sites like this. Uh, so when we popped in uh, to Squarespace to set up the new TWIP log, um, I was impressed in very short order. I mean, the interface on it is absolutely beautiful. And... Uh, you know, just the interactive process by which we've been able to build a system on here. And it feels like Photoshop sometimes. I mean, it pops up these great color palettes, and I just slide things around and get things looking the way they want. You know, drag and drop, you know, interface throughout the whole thing. And it's all done through your browser. So I have to say I am really impressed and have probably covered more ground in less time than I ever have in building a blog. So uh, now that we've kind of got the structure in place in general, um, we're going to start feeling that out, see what the listeners and, and the readers think, and uh, just continue to tweak it. So expect 
expect everything to change you know drastically um, I will say that the content that we brought over we brought over all the show notes from twitphoto.com including uh, all of the original comments that were on all the original show notes so that's the only content that's been brought over at this point um, and it'll probably stay that way but uh, just so you know the, the back history of all of our existing show notes and any comments anybody ever made when they were on twitphoto.com are all on there right now and uh, the new ones are opening up yeah we probably we should make the point that you know part of the reason why why we are happy to have them as a sponsor is because we really do think that it's an excellent platform for photographers yep. to build their sites up and and there's a lot of templated stuff i haven't played it around with a whole lot um but i've spent you know a couple hours just thinking around and it just feels like there's a whole lot of templates and more coming that can make it very quick to set up a, a site to show off your photography I'll, I'll add on with your template comment there. That's one of the most fun parts of doing the design right now is that, um, you know, the public is seeing a, a design at a given point. You know, that's where I've got it locked down at the moment. But I'm constantly um, popping in new templates, making changes, and I'm previewing those templates live with all of our content without the end users ever seeing it. So once I switch into the templating mode as, as a logged in user, I can see the entire site with all the adjustments I'm making to it parallel to what the public is seeing at that point. So and as soon as I decide that it looks okay, I just hit one button and boom, that becomes the live site. Cool. All right, let's uh, move on from that and uh, chat about a couple things that are also in the news. Uh, Nick Software has announced Silver Silver Effects Pro for uh, Photoshop Lightroom. Uh, now, Scott, I know you have some experience with with plugins and, and, and this sort of thing. Are you uh, are you familiar with the Nick Software or this specifically this new release for Lightroom? That's asking me if I've ever eaten a bag of Oreos. I mean, I, you know, I I love this stuff. I absolutely love the Nick software, and I think Silver Effects Pro is the premier, preeminent, and only solution I would ever consider uh, for doing black and white conversion. I used to print in an old-fashioned black and white darkroom, and I never made a print after 18 years in a darkroom. I got pretty good at it. I never made a print in a black and white darkroom that's as good as the one I made last week using Silver Effects Pro on my Epson 3800. Really? Wow. It is an awesome plug-in. You can configure all these presets to do things, amazing things. It comes with a lot of presets. They have, I highly recommend if you own the program, go to the Nick Software site because they have a bunch of other presets you can download and install for free. Just sort of like Lightroom has presets, they have presets for everything from Canotype to infrared, you name it. And then you can make your own presets. It's just brilliant and uh, very powerful. It's been available for Aperture for quite a while. <clears throat> but uh, I, I am... <laughs> You yeah, had to get the little jab in there, didn't you? I knew I'm it was happy coming. to see that people using Lightroom can now get it. And uh, it's it's available for Aperture users in a thing called the Nick Software Collection, where they all of their plugins are part of. And at the same price as just the standalone would be, you can get all of their stuff for the Aperture. I don't know if they've done that yet for App, uh, Lightroom. I'm assuming they will. And all of their stuff is really good. My only complaint against Nick has ever been that it's been a little pricey, but they've solved that by doing these bundles. Yeah. But yeah, if you haven't tried it, they have free trials of all their stuff. You would absolutely just, as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, you, if, you do, if you have any interest in black and white, go download Silver Effects Pro. It's going to blow your mind. And I would just say that the, uh, Aaron and I were talking about this through uh, iChat earlier this week about the, the, the use of the word plug-in in in the context of this software, especially in the context of Lightroom. So the the way Lightroom is built, and I can speak with some authority on this, the way Lightroom is built is it can't um, or it doesn't support image editing 
uh, plugins. So, for example, it's not Photoshop where you can just say, okay, do this to this image and, and put it on a layer and that sort of thing. Uh, Lightroom, the way it supports plugins is very much the same way that it supports applications like its big brother Photoshop. It's going to send those bits out to that application, then you munge around with them, save them, and they, they round trip them automatically back into the application as a version. So you don't have that the the live sort of uh, non-destructive editing that you have when you're working and doing the, the native dodge and burning tools within Lightroom itself. Much the same way that Aperture works with it with plugins. You don't you know Aperture if you you want to say use a dodge and burn plugin or some sort of retouching plugin. It's going to create a TIFF presumably or whatever you've told the application to build. It's going to send that out to that plugin. You're you're in a different interface. You're going to make your changes to that. When you finish with that or click done, it's going to bring it back into the application. So you you don't have that. Okay, now I feel like that blur that I added in the plugin is too strong. I want to back it off a little bit. You have to create another generation, and that's the same way in Lightroom when it's dealing with those with those external editors so just there's one thing there's one difference i want to mention mm-hmm. and it may be a small difference and it may not be any of any import to anybody but the way that aperture and lightroom do it is somewhat different in that when it comes back in from the round trip from the plugin back into aperture one thing that it retains in aperture that it doesn't in lightroom is it retains an edit list of all the things that were done when it was in the plugin mm. So that list is available to you, and you can access that in the metadata. And if you find out that you made a change while it was over in Nick's Silver Effects Pro, for instance, that you don't like, you can go back and say, oh, yeah, I did this there, and I shouldn't have. You can recreate your steps from that list. It's much easier than guessing at what you did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know that. I'll have to try that out next time. I, well, I can speak with some authority on the app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to throw that in there. You know, we're gonna we're gonna have a great time at the um, at the uh, Yellowstone Aperture Nature Photography Workshop, aren't we? Talk Scott? about dogs and cats <laughs> living together. <laughs> Frederick Johnson is going to be one of my co-teachers, along with my good buddy Steve Simon, who I see is back from the hinterlands. Yep, I am. And we are going to have a tremendous time, along with Gary Hamburg, as the four instructors at the Aperture Nature Photography Workshop. And I do think that the National Earthquake Center, as well as the (laughs) National Disaster Preparedness Centers in Washington, D.C., have been put on alert for the fact that, that... Frederick Johnson is going to be teaching Aperture. Yes, I am. And you know what? I've, I've, I've gotten some, um, holding up quote fingers now, comments on the fact that I'm, uh, I'm teaching Aperture, which I was once pitted against when I was working at Adobe. And I can't imagine that. I, you know, I want to address that right now because, you know, the way I look at it is it's like the Nikon versus Canon thing or Macintosh versus Windows thing. You know, in the end, we we are all creating photography, right? We're, we're all brothers. We're all creating photography. It's all about the art. And I think the, you know, I think I'm one of the few people right now uh, there may be more later, but I'm one of the few people right now that can uh, talk specifically about the pluses and negatives about each application with impunity. You know, so you can you can trust me that I'll I'm going to tell you like it is about what's good and what's bad about both. You know, and I can give you I can give you my my honest opinion about the one that you should be using for your photography, depending on what you're doing, because it's different. It's not the same. It's not like one is better than the other. It's different depending on what you're doing. So uh, I think 
overall the 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 comment or the the sentiment that oh he's you know he's going to, he's he's mad at Adobe because of you know he left the company or whatever I think that's all BS it's whatever you know it well, w- we're not bringing you we're not bringing you to Yellowstone to talk about Lightroom we're bringing you to talk about Aperture exactly. and that's what you'll do and it's not it's not a again we we don't spend any, Steve has been with me on every one of these things have we ever even said the word Lightroom in any of these. Steve? I don't think so. I think actually one person said it and then they went missing. <laughs> I don't recall. Recall. Suddenly there was a there was a satisfied bear somewhere. <laughs> we don't. So bring, it's just been good knowing you, Fred. <laughs> we don't. Bring oh, that's what I'm food on this adventure, am I, Scott? <laughs> we don't bring people to these places so that we can diss Lightroom. We yeah. bring them so we can teach them Aperture. And, and uh, I think it's fair to point out that uh, you used to work for this little company called Apple before you worked for this company. I did. Called- yeah, and that's what I was alluding to. You know, I, I used to work for um, Apple, and I used to be one of the product marketing managers on the iPhoto team during the time when Aperture was gestating. You know, it was still it was still you know they were still carving off the rough edges about what it could be. And I was there during that time. So it's a uh, you know, it, it, Aperture is still, still near and dear to my heart in terms of what what can be done in terms of UI and usability with these photo management applications. And, of course, Lightroom is as well because, you know, my name is in the startup screen on that application. And, so, and I so, do want to point out that uh, our very own Cylon... Um, you know, has had some 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 at least cursory experience with this too. Oh well, yeah, I uh, I was there. I, I think I started at Apple a little after you you left, and I was you know working on the Aperture team for a while prior to the the release of it. The whole uh, highlights and shadows feature inside of Aperture was something that I was intimately involved with. You, yeah. you mean you mean the Ron Brinkman? Yeah, well, see, you, you, we we just referred to him as the Cylon on this show, and then everyone starts to ask who's that, and then they hear him speak, and they now they now know. Oh, yeah, is it still pretty bad? Is it still no? Pretty- it's fine. It's fine. We're just playing with you. Yeah. All right. Then I, I will occasionally still speak. <laughs> just just end everything you say with "by your command," and we'll be. Yeah, with, I'll, with, I'll work on that. With the possible exception of Aaron on this show, we all have some close tie to Aperture, so. Um, it's 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 going to be fun having you there, Fred, and I'm really looking forward to, you know, taking you out of your city environment. I've <laughs> I've gotten Steve Simon past the deer in the headlights look the first couple of times we went out there, and he'd say, "Scott, come over here, look at this big thing. What what is that? That's a tree, Steve. That's a." <laughs> You know, I just want to remind you, Mr. Bourne, that uh, I did spend eight years in the United States Air Force. You know, so I'm just kidding. I am very used to digging holes as my restroom. So I'm just I'm totally kidding. <laughs> so let, with that, let's jump over to the to the picks of the week. And uh, since I got Scott on the uh, on in the old hot seat right now, Scott, what's your pick? Well, I, I was at PMA this year and there wasn't a ton of stuff to get excited about. But there was this little teeny doodad, as is often the case at PMA. The real, the real super gem is this something that you don't see out on the main floor. And I saw this little thing called a data color spider cube, and I was immediately attracted to it. And they just started shipping them. And in fact, they had so few that they only had a few at the show floor. And they, they said, the first one that ships you'll get. Well, I got it two days ago, and I've been playing with it. And it is, without a doubt, my pick of the week. It is an amazing device that you use to assure that you have the right color balance and exposure. And it takes the place of the traditional gray card. 
It's a little teeny cube, about two by two by two by two by two, how many of our twos there are in a cube. And it's got a black bottom, two little two sides with gray, two sides with white, two sides with black on the bottom, and a black trap, along with a little chrome ball on the top. And between all of these faces and colors and sides of this device, you can measure everything from your specular highlights all the way to the black that is blacker than an IRS agent's heart. And it is... Uh, it is How's that audit going there? Right, by the way, Scott? That's Scott oh, Bourne. Scott Bourne spelled B-O-U-R-N-E. Oh, no, he's already in the middle of it. <laughs> Listen, I can't do anything to piss them off now because they are already dug into me. So you know what? Oh. Screw it. Um, yeah, the, the IRS, my IRS audit, the one that's 39 days ongoing, Ron, thank you uh, for asking. I, I've been through it. I know exactly what you're going through, and I have nothing but sympathy. Oh. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I, let's put it like this: my my debate on Monday's meeting with the IRS. I'm trying to decide whether to go to that or to have all of my wisdom teeth extracted without <laughs> any sort of uh, anesthetic. But anyway, um, the Data Color Spider Cube. This is a foolproof way to get good color balance, but it's also a good way to help. One of the best things about it is just to teach people the difference when I say you're not holding details in the blacks or the shadows. They never know what I mean. I find this to be a constant problem. Well, because of the way they've designed this thing, there's a black trap that is the blackest black in the world. But then there's a slightly less black above it that you can use for reference. And when you're adjusting in Photoshop or Aperture or Lightroom your, your, your levels, you can see where the blacks merge and where they separate. And when they separate, you know you've got detail in the blacks i'm like finally this is a tool that will help people get a really good black because we just talked about nick's silver effects pro and one of the problem with black and white printing is often people are unable to get a good black and that's kind of important in black and white printing so this device will help you get your picture in post where it needs to be so that when you do want to make a print whether it's color or black and white you'll have the blacks where they need to be but more importantly you can control specularity now most people will use a white card to say this is the white point in the image and that's fine the problem is is that the white point in the image may not be as hot as the specular highlights that would be blown out and if you want to hold those highlights you need something reflective and shiny to do that so they put this little chrome ball on the thing so it's brilliant if you if you look it up it's on their website Data color, and they have um, a, a section for the spider cube. It is a touch spendy. It's fifty nine bucks, but you know I'm got, I have two of them already, and one's going to stay in my studio, and one to go out in the field. You just it has a little string you can hold it up with. It also has a tripod socket on the bottom, yeah. so you can put this in your scene and take a picture. And then as long as the light doesn't change, you'll never have to worry about what your color balance or your exposure is going to be again. Excellent. Make sure you bring one of those out to uh, Yellowstone with you. I want to play with it. I have it in the bag all ready to go. Cool. And uh, Aaron Mailer, what is your pick of the week? My pick this week is um, actually it's Jeff Friedel's Flickr uploader for Lightroom. Mm-hmm. We had uh, talked earlier about uh, about plugins for Lightroom, and mm-hmm. I, I guess this kind of maybe dodges the, the whole round-tripping thing since it's a one-way street for this particular task. It's an export and, plugin, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's an export plugin is what it comes down to. Um, it's really, really nicely implemented. Uh, it's chock full of features. Uh, basically, it gives you the ability from right within Lightroom to make your selections and push them straight out to your Flickr account. Um, I admittedly don't use Flickr as much as I probably should. And um, part of the reason I'm using this plugin is to smooth the way a little bit. So I 
do begin to use it a little more than I did. So, uh, uh, very nice implementation. Um, I, I will uh, make sure that the link's in the show notes because there's a whole lot more to uh, discuss about it than, than I want to use time for here in the show. So, Excellent. I just uh, let everybody know that um, there's feature upon feature upon feature in it, um, and he seems to be adding them all the time, and it's a free download. Cool. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Steve Simon, what's your, what's your pick before we lose you? Yes, my pick of the week. I know you guys love photography books as much as I do. And uh, I found a site called fb4.blogspot.com that is dedicated to photography books and arts. And uh, it's, it's, it's written by uh, a photographer, Jeffrey Ladd, who's part photographer, part critic. It's, it's kind of academic, but there's uh, all kinds of, of really kind of interesting, and uh, he points to some obscure type books that maybe you, do, you don't know about, all photo books. And uh, I've, I've been uh, going to it from time to time to, to see what's there. And uh, I have a, a great photography book collection. I, I never have enough. I'm always going to bookstores looking for little little gems. And, uh, you know, a lot of the books that I've picked up over the years that have, you know, photography books come out. They're very expensive. Photographers can't afford them. Then they get remaindered. You sell for five or six bucks. Then they come become collectible again and they're worth a lot of money so um, in the end uh, it's a great investment because I think photography books can be very inspiring I'm often inspired by them and if I'm feeling a bit of a, a photographer's block I'll go to the library and pull down a couple of books and uh, that'll help me through it so I would uh, recommend uh, twip people to check it out you know what I did uh, a couple of days ago I was going through my photography book collection which is uh, large and uh, I was looking at some of the the books that I had from like 10 or 15 years ago on portrait and photography and that sort of thing you know the the, the concepts don't really change because light doesn't really it hasn't really changed in several million years in terms of uh, the, the the properties and the physics behind it so but it's interesting to look at the techniques and sort of apply them to today especially in the studio lighting sort of area because we're looking at all the stuff with say, say for example joe mcnally and david hobby using the small strobes and compare that to back then when they were using uh these gigantic uh space shuttle size lights to <laughs> to light things it's really interesting that what the effort that it took back then to get what's very similar to something that you could do with just stuff in your camera bag today it's uh it's 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 worth it to keep those old books. So yeah, that 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 is interesting. And you know, this the the kind of books that are are, are profiled on this site uh, are are kind of classic books, and they're great photographs. And you know, when you look back, uh, you know, it's all been shot before, it's all been done before, and and there's some some it's it's a good reminder to sort of look and see what's been done, and and uh, and and I think I find it inspiring. I think uh, you guys do too. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Steve. Ron Brinkman, a.k.a. Cylon, what is your uh, your pick of the week? Uh, well, it's surprisingly not related to tripods this week. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, in fact, it's another book. I, uh, I have a book that's been on my coffee table for a lot of years, and it's inevitably the one that people start thumbing through when they come over. It is uh, Jan Artus Bertrand's Earth from Above. Um, I imagine that most everybody has seen either the book or certainly images from it, but uh, it's uh, Jan Artus Bertrand has sort of gotten famous for doing these uh, aerial photography. You know, he gets in small planes and flies over extremely remote and interesting locations, and it gives you this very different view on the world from that. Uh, the book is is big. It's it's just massive, massively heavy, and uh, has 
wonderful reproductions of a lot of his photography. He's also got he's got a variety of different things. There's a, a 365 days of his photography as well. But I would encourage somebody, you know, like I said, this is just a great book to have laying around because people will inevitably start thumbing through it and be sort of awestruck by the photography in it. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Ron. My uh, pick of the week, I've got two halves of a pick. Uh, the first one I talked about a while back on Leo's show on MacBreak, and it was uh, my pick there it was Grand Central, which is a, a company that was acquired by Google and has been turned into Google Voice. But uh, the, how it relates to photography is it's it's on my photography business business card <laughs> so it's it basically it's a voicemail service or it's a phone service a phone forwarding service where you sign up for the service uh you get a phone number and you can assign any number of other phones to this thing and when someone calls your main google voice phone number it rings all the other phones and then you pick up whichever one you want which was cool when it was Grand Central, but it got so much cooler with Google Voice because now you can text message. So the problem with, with Grand Central was if someone you gave someone that number because you didn't want to give them your, any of your regular numbers and they sent you a text message, it would just disappear and you would just not get the message so which made it of limit limited use because today everyone's using text message text messaging uh but now if you give them this number and they text message it it shows up in your inbox on whatever device that can accept text messages which is brilliant you can actually have a conversation back and forth using that you know using your your google voice phone number and then the other cool thing about it is when someone calls you and leaves you a voicemail on Google Voice, uh, it will send you a text message if you want and let you know that you have a voicemail. Of course, you can go check it. But it will also transcribe the content of that message into text and then send that to you as a text message. <laughs> so and that, that just kind of blows my mind that, you know, I could screen my calls. I'm sitting in a meeting and I get a someone sends me a voicemail and I have to send it, you know, I send it to voicemail. And a couple seconds later, I get the copy of that in my hand and I can just read through it and know if it's something I need to act on or not or, or save to later. And then the second half of my pick is, uh, as I said on the last show, I'm really getting deep into the Nikon world with their CLS uh, creative lighting system uh, after having a conversation with Joe McNally and reading his book. Um, but I went ahead and picked up a SU-800 wireless speed light commander unit. And what that does is you stick it on the top of your, your SLR that doesn't have a, a, a CLS compatible flash. So something other than a, say, a uh, D700. In my case, I put it on top of a D3 and I'm able to control up to who knows how many flashes directly from behind the camera. 52. Is it 52. I can, I can control up to 52, which I will never own 52 speed lights. <laughs> <laughs> I can say with some confidence that I will never own 52 speed lights. I own two right now, but I can control both of those. I may add a third, and it's just the, the power that it gives you. It's really simple. It's I think it's the essence of technology. Technology is designed to make our lives simpler, and using this thing, I put it on top of the camera... It's not complicated. Now I can throw a flash in the back corner and change its settings directly from the camera, you know, with a couple clicks. If I don't like what I see on the LCD, I can dial it down or dial it up, and I can do that to any number of flashes, 52 flashes, um, if I want. So it's a, it's a really cool device. It costs $249 from Amazon. That's where I got it from, and I'm, uh, I'm very happy with it. So I just, got, I just got mine Monday. Did you? Have you played with I, it at all? I have. I, I have two SB900s. 
and I started controlling them immediately. I mean, I have now I have pocket wizards too, but I use the pocket wizards in the studio, and this is designed to be just something that will immediately talk within the CLS system to the SB900s. So rather than go with the pocket wizards, which I could have done, I wanted a dedicated system to take into the field with me. And I, in my test, you're right. I mean, the thing about it is how shockingly easy it is. Yeah, it's not like, oh, I'm adding all this complexity and technology. It's It actually makes your life much easier because you're not it's wireless of course you're not worrying about sync cords you're not worrying about this that you know all you got to do is turn it on put the flash in remote mode on the and on the nikon sb900 it's a flick of a switch and it's in remote mode put it where you want and you're controlling it you know it's it's brilliantly simple and i'm I'm really happy with it. it joe and these the nikon system has changed the way that i that i'm looking at flash photography both indoor and outdoor so it's it's, i mean not uh, that we need the flash very often on a d3 because we can shoot at iso 64 (laughs) million without any light but but you know the the su 800 that you guys are talking about even if you have a d700 which allows you to control the flashes um without that unit um the su 800 my understanding is it's it's much more powerful and especially if you're outdoors because the system uh, works uh, with infrared it can fail a lot more often um using the 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 camera as a commander as it would with this su 800 so i i think it's a good investment yeah yeah i'm happy with it it's uh definitely found a permanent place in my camera bag so i'm i will i will have more to report after i actually shoot photos with it because i just got it just like scott <laughs> i've controlled things i've controlled and set things up but i haven't done any real real shoots with it yet because it's uh it's still new kit um let's move on hey, to the actually, uh, can i can I one other quick semi pick yeah go for it um just just as an fyi because I've, I've picked this as my uh as my pick several i don't know a few months back which is uh back my Sort of off-site backup storage uh, solution. Yes, and their Mac version is now coming out of beta and is going to be widely available as of I think next Tuesday or so. Oh, very cool. So, what, is it is it going to work the same way as the beta version, or are they adding anything to it? I think they've added a little bit more control over um, uh, external volumes and that kind of thing. I mean, it's it's, it's already pretty, you know, just brain dead simple that you can just sort of tell it what you want to back up and it goes and does it. But I think it has a little bit more granularity or showing you uh, external volumes that you're backing up as well. Excellent. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I can throw in there, um, related to Backblaze, it's this coming Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific time is when the uh, when it comes out of beta. And uh, according to them, it is also an automatic update, so it should slip in smoothly on your system if you're already using it. Very cool. Well, Aaron, you want to you wanna continue and tell us about this week's photo assignment and the current poll? Sure, absolutely. We are in week two of, uh, of our new photo assignment. The topic is spring, once again. Lots of ways to interpret that. And uh, as we've said in the past weeks, we're going to put our emphasis on things that are a little less obvious um, in your interpretation of the word spring. Um, and also mention, we did not have a poll last week, but we do have one on this week that is already on the new TWIP log, which is twiplog.com. Um, and it's kind of focused on the log itself. So the uh, question is, what resource would be most important to you on TWIP log? And... The choices at the moment are the episode show notes, the discussion forums, a new home for the monthly photo assignments, uh, photo galleries consisting of listener or TWIP host photos, uh, TWIP topic uh, fact on there, or picks of the week archive with the links to the vendors. So those are the choices, and hundreds of people have already voted, so come and add your opinion to the mix. 
Excellent. And with that, we'll jump directly into this week's interview with Jeff Yoakum. He's the CMO of SmugMug. So I'm here with Mr. Jeff Yoakum. He's the chief marketing officer over at SmugMug, and he's agreed to come on this week in photography to to chat with us about the industry, about SmugMug, about professional photographers and the challenges that they're facing and all sorts of stuff. Hey, Jeff, thanks for coming on. Hi, Frederick. How you doing? I'm doing fantabulous, uh, especially now that I get to speak to you and, and ask you a bunch of questions. Uh, it's been you, a while. Yeah, I know. It's been, it's been a while. Just, just full disclosure, um, I used to work for you, uh, Jeff, down at Pictage. So, well, what was it, like two years ago or something? That was like a couple that? years back, right? Yeah. Right. Good times, though. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. So, uh, but... Even considering that, I'm not going to pull any punches in this interview. So. <laughs> I would, I, I'd be disappointed if you did. But yeah, but cool. Uh, so I just want to kick it off with, so you are one of the few people, if not the only person on the planet that has been in a position of authority at two of the most important photography companies, uh, at least for professional photographers on the planet. So Smug Mug and Pictage, you've, you, you know the inner workings of both places now. So, yeah, proud of both. Yeah. yeah. So given that, given that, what, from your perspective, is the overall state of the industry and what what are some of the challenges that photographers, specifically wedding photographers right now, uh, are, are facing in terms of the economic slowdown and all that? Yeah, it's it, there's been a lot of changes. I mean, when I came in in 2004, I, I was really unfamiliar with the industry at all. I, I just I know cottage industries and I understand how to build communities. But um, I remember that um, my first encounters with a lot of the, uh, the, the very successful photographers and wedding photographers, there was a lot of um, distrust. I mean, there was a lot, you know, nobody wanted to talk to anybody else. They, everybody in their area they considered to be a, a competitor. And, and what we did at Pictage was we created the, a community, uh, not just online, but also in person, which we've learned is, the, uh, is one of the key uh, challenges as well as one of the key results. And here we are, you know, five years later, and I have to say that um, the Pictage community and the wedding photography community is the strongest in, of, of any of the photography communities that I've seen. And uh, in large part, that's because the it was exactly the right type of, of interaction and, and environment for uh, for people who literally love what they do. I mean, let's face it, I've, I've never had a wedding photographer or a professional photographer come to me and say, "Yeah, I got into this business because I couldn't make enough money as a lawyer." Yeah, um, you know, this is a, this is a, a love business. People get into this because they really love what they do, and they're happy and proud that they can actually make a living at it. So I'm real happy with the community, but I've I've really seen a lot of changes just even in the last year, as we all have with the econo- economic situation um, uh, and the downturn. Um, but but I've seen this before too. I've been been working with communities, uh, particularly um, what I guess you could loosely call uh, cottage industry communities and cottage industry in, uh, cottage industry products and and services for a long time. And seen this a few times where literally the the consolidation of the industry is kind of following the economic circumstance. And what I mean by that is the people who are shooting at the high end uh, aren't aren't feeling. Uh, it, the same pinch uh, as uh, you know, kind of the general photographer, and then the people shooting at the low end are actually experiencing um, a, a flush of business. Hmm. And I've been talking over the last couple of months, in particular, to a lot of different photographers at, at the different levels, and I'm kind of discovering 
that um, the, the, the photographers in the middle are the ones who are really getting squeezed. Uh, you know, the ten dollars to $15,000 event and up don't seem to have much change in the number of weddings that they've got, you know, with some, with some um, uh, caveats there. Sure. Some have, but most haven't. Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I'm getting over a cold. No, no problem. Take a moment. Um, and then uh, in talking to the photographers who were shooting in the $1,500 range, what they're telling me, and many of them are telling me, is that you know they've actually got a lot of uh, additional events that they hadn't anticipated. And in fact, their numbers are coming up a little, not only volumes, but what they're charging. And if you look at the cir- you know, situation, it kind of makes sense because at that center part is where people are either moving up or they're moving down. Uh, and in many cases, I guess they're all moving down. So the $5,000 weddings are now $2,500 weddings. Yeah. Uh, and the $2,500 weddings are now $1,500 weddings. And the people who are shooting $1,500 to $2,500 are experiencing this increase. But it's really hard if you anticipated 20 weddings this year at $5,000 a piece and your business is budgeted based on that income and suddenly you're seeing 14 weddings at $2,000 a piece, mm-hmm. you literally can't stay in business. Right. You know, I mean, it, it's you, you've already spent the money for marketing and services and everything else to be able to um, to, to to make a living in this business. So, does so that, I see a does, lot of people in the center kind of looking around, a uh, little little in shock, um, deer caught in headlights sometimes, <laughs> um, trying to figure out: Do I move down or do I move out? Right. Does that mean yeah. Does that mean that there's more opportunity now for new people moving in because the people that have been accustomed to that revenue stream and are having to drink Kool Aid instead of wine now, uh, there it seems like it's a it's a more fertile ground for people who were drinking Kool Aid all along. Yeah, so, I think you're dead on there. I, I honestly do. I think that um, that unlike the industry a few years ago, uh, where there was a big movement from the middle to the to the top. Uh, now there seems to be a race for the bottom, um, and and what that always does is that opens up opportunities for those photographers who are not going to give up their day job, so to speak, um, but have developed skills and the ability to sell their services and shoot on weekends. And yeah, we're, I think we're going to see a new crop of photographers who are coming from the um, the professional slash amateur into a more professional or at least business-oriented uh, approach to their to their photography. And of course, I'm happy to, to hear that because uh, unlike a lot of the other companies, SmugMug is perfectly positioned with a whole bunch of really great amateur, hundreds of thousands of amateur photographers, many of which are now looking for ways to move up, uh, where some of the other services and some of the other places, they just don't have that. I mean, they started from the top and they were building down, and that's, um, and that, that, that's going to create a problem. So, so to, to sort of build on that, from your standpoint, what would be the major differences between Pictage and SmugMug Smug in terms of uh, philosophy and overall target market? I know SmugMug is going after the pros now with, with some of the things that you guys have announced, and Pictage has been living there. So what, what are the main differences? I, I think that you know, the, the key issue is, is, that, um, that, is that, first of all, Pictage is a lab. Um, you know, it, um, it, it's, it has all of its own printers and it sees itself as kind of a manufacturer's, or a manufacturing company. It print, makes prints and so forth. 
um, that extends itself upward into online hosting and um, and also marketing services. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the difference is is that SmugMug isn't. So SmugMug we've we've partnered with um, with Bay Photo. Uh, on the professional prints and with easy prints for the consumer prints um, and and in both of those cases it was kind of a best of breed particularly with Bay Photo uh, the guys really did their analysis before they they um, they hooked up with Bay but I guess that's also the indicator uh, I, it, it's it's hard to, to to do a comparison of philosophies yeah um, but sometimes it's easy to define a, a philosophy and see how it it, it's different. And the philosophy that I see at SmugMug is, um, simply put, it's the image, stupid. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> using, using an old political phrase, right? At SmugMug, it's all about the image. And not just the photograph, but the image of the photographer as well. You know, mm-hmm. and not, not to be too coy about that use of that term, but that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. And at Pictage, Again, it's about the print to some extent. It's about the product that comes out the other end, um, and and in both cases, uh, I think they're honestly, I think they're exemplary in in following that logic. But I think that's probably what separates the two philosophically. Um, that that Pictage is just a really uh, strong lab um, with some some online hosting and marketing. And SmugMug is an online technology company that's really focused at the image, who's partnered with some really great labs. So from a photographer standpoint, from the small business owner, uh, in, in speaking with uh, Jason Kiefer, the CEO of Pictage a couple of weeks ago, uh, he sort of positioned it as they want to be known as the partner to the photographer so not they don't want to be abstracted or not necessarily abstracted down so that the photographer's brand is is uh the only thing that the client sees they want to think or i'm paraphrasing here but they want the client to think that smug or uh, by the fact that the photographer has partnered with pictage that is a plus to the photographer so i'm handing it off to this world-class service um which is pictage now on uh, conversely on the smug mug side are you saying that smug mug wants to be more of a behind the scenes powered by kind of entity or are you Not aspiring to be different and first of all i'm really familiar with the the philosophy that you're talking about from pictage because that was actually the philosophy that i brought in which was <laughs> the strength of the premium brand i mean the fact is is that that pictage is is no question is the king of the hill yep. and and you know the goal at pictage has always been that when people associate themselves with Pictage, it makes their brand better, not to dilutes it. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a challenge. I mean, that's that's a dramatic challenge. And I'm not sure that that I or anybody else has really achieved that at the level that we certainly wanted to when I started that. But the the reality is is that it's also changed since then. Um, you know, the, the photographers that were around in 04 and 05 that were kind of in need of the support, as I, as I mentioned earlier, there was no community to speak of. I mean, we had a couple of online, you know, communities, but most of the time they were just complaint, places to, for people to go and to complain at each other. Um, the, the Pictage community kind of brought them all together and made them stronger by their relationships. Now, what's happened over time is that community has become actually... Um, the dog rather than the tail and because of that the people who are involved in these collaborative communities in the industry are actually 
dramatically better at business now than they were four years ago or three years ago or two years ago. Yeah. So, so the logic that we had back then, which was, you're a nobody or an unknown, so why don't you partner with us at Pictage and we'll help you become known, is no longer kind of the driving force. Now the driving force is, I know how to make myself known in my market with Twitter and with online blogs and with all of this wonderful social networking, I know how to create an image for myself. I know how to shoot. I know how to do all of the things that are expected of me by the bride or my client. What I really want is a company that is going to come in and support all of my efforts and see their brand recognition as secondary. Now, that doesn't mean it won't still be a premium brand because mm -hmm. If I have my way, when people say I'm with Smug Mug Pro, they'll say it with pride and they'll be happy to tell their clients that this is part of it because they're proud of it. Yeah. But what we'll never do is try to convince their clients before they meet the photographer that they should go with a Smug Mug Pro photographer because I think those days have passed. Got it. Wow. So now it's about delivering the best product, the best images, and maintaining that pride of, you know, kind of partnership that matters to this to this cottage industry businesses particularly in this downturn this kind of highfalutin mentality of premium brand is going to carry you forward while i think had some real traction i think has outlived its usefulness so jeff let's talk a little bit about community so you're you're the the guy that sort of brought community to pictage and built that that infrastructure there and and now everybody's talking about community here community there you know it's all about community uh Talk a little bit about how the importance of community today beyond what you just said. So the importance of community today in terms of photographers marketing themselves as opposed to or in conjunction with the referral uh, industry or, you know, okay, you have to have a community and you got to be in this community in order for the other photographers to know about you and therefore refer to you versus you marketing with Google and using AdWords and that sort of thing. What is the perfect mix for photographers? Well, you hit it, you hit it on the head, number one, that, that the beauty of a strong community is that now you've got, instead of a bunch of competitors, you've actually got a bunch of salespeople. Because um, if you really realize the top 10 or 15 or 20% of a market bands together to own 80% of a market, there's always going to be more customers than there are people to fulfill that. Um, so therefore, when any, any bride or any customer comes into the mix and that photographer is not right for them, they will always refer them to somebody that they have faith in. Yeah. And that comes from that community relationship. And the second side, the second value, even of that personal community that, that uh, we built then and we're going to build now with Smugs, is that there's just too much information. I mean, I love the Internet and I love, you know, uh, being able to advertise yourself and use the, the you know, AdWords products and be able to, to, to do Twitter and everything else. And I think that that is a great tool to use. But if you try to use that to educate yourself, it's like drink, you know, the old phrase drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> and, and the beauty of these communal relationships is that to some extent you've got a bunch of really smart people all with exactly the same um, general um, um, mindsets and, and, and views all bringing together all of the things that work and don't work for them, therefore cutting out a lot of your education through disruption that happens when you try to run a business without that communal relationship. So I think even more now than ever, the referrals are important, 
but also the fact that you can educate yourself more easily, more quickly, and more effectively by hanging out with other people who are in the same community that you are and in the same locale that you are as well. Because, you know, it, it, in many cases, customers are still coming from local references, though we're seeing less and less of that because of the, um, the ability for people to travel and the ability for people to advertise themselves on the Internet. But it's still a great, great strength for education, self-education, and, um, and trying to stay on top of what's happening. As well as just, you know, there's, there's certain lessons that happen. Um, let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, something something I heard at lunch yesterday, and I've been doing this for a while, and so sometimes I, you know, sometimes I get full of myself, and I need to go to lunch with with photographers who are really smart, so I can realize, yeah, I just don't know squat. Um, so I'm out to lunch yesterday, and and I was I was at lunch with Mike Cologne, who is um, who is in my opinion one of the one of the best wedding uh, photographers in the world, mm-hmm. and uh, and really smart businessman too, because he cares about every single one of his customers, and he knows how to ex- express that. Well, he was telling me how. Um, he, he got a call from a, a woman who had been married for about a year and a half, and she wanted she was very proud of herself. She'd been working out, and she wanted to get some some uh, portrait shots, you know. And but Mike hadn't shot her wedding, and so he he said, "Well, sure, I can do that." And when he met with her, he, he asked her, um, "Well, who shot your wedding?" And she told him it was a very very uh, celebrated photographer in, in Los Angeles. And uh, he's like, "Well, I know that person, and they're great." She says, "Oh, I know the images were wonderful, but I'm just not really happy with them." And Mike's like, well, wait a minute. If you're, if the images are wonderful, why aren't you happy with them? <laughs> and she said, well, because it's been a year and a half, and I still don't have my album. Oh. And, and Mike, realizing, of course, this is not always the way it sounds, he says, well, have you, have you picked out all your images? She goes, yeah, that's the problem. I haven't had time to really pick out all of the images I want in my album. <laughs> but she still blamed the photographer. And actually hired another photographer to shoot her portraits because she didn't have the album in her hand. And so after all, after these years and, you know, what I got from that was don't wait for her to pick. Right. I mean, my advice right now to everybody listening to this who's shooting weddings is start selling your weddings with with an album, which everybody wants. But if they don't pick it, don't wait. Pick it. Pick it for them. And print it and send it to them, and I guarantee they're going to be happier than if you give them the power to do it themselves. And it follows my general philosophy is people want freedom from choice, not freedom of choice, but they just want you to choose the best thing for them. Yeah, it's like the higher you go from my from, from in my experience, it seems the higher end you go, the fewer choices you have. So if and that makes sense. Yeah, you're it? down at the bottom. You've get you got like package A through Z, and then at the top you get choice. Hey, that's it. Because they know exactly what it is you want because they've been doing it for so long. I mean, let's face it, photographers and especially wedding photographers aren't just photographers, they're counselors as well. Right? I mean, you're you're, you're selling a sophisticated product to an unsophisticated customer. I mean, there's a joke that says that if you really want to know the worst shot you took at the wedding, ask her bride what her favorite is. <laughs> you know, and, and and when you ask, well, how does that how's that possible? When the photographer says, well, it was perfectly lit, unbelievable moment, great silhouettes in, her, in that person's image. But then you ask the bride, why did you pick this as your best image? She says, yeah, the eyes were kind of closed and it wasn't great lit, but it's the first time Uncle Henry danced with Aunt Jane in 35 years. Yeah. And so the difference is clear, right? One is content and one is context. Yep. 
And and in, in all of those circumstances, if the photographer says, I know what makes a great album, I'm going to get those images for you, and I'm going to produce the album for you, and if you want another one, let me know of your own images, what you'll find is that you end up with a customer who's really, really happy, not only with the images, but with the service. Now, Jeff, are you going to teach photographers this stuff? Because <laughs> this, this, well, these funny. are the kind of things that, that these photographers need to hear, and they need this kind of these nuggets of wisdom to market themselves. Where can and they that, that get this stuff? Point, that goes to the point, I'm not a photographer. But and you're I, a marketer, I, though. I'm not. And what, what makes these things interesting is I'm in a photography community, and I get these nuggets of wisdom and pass them on. Because I rub up against real photographers, and now we go back to the community issue. Yeah. That never happened before we had communities of trust where people could exchange this kind of information. So you're, you're recreating the, the, the user group that you built at Pictage at Smug Mug now. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we're starting Smugs. We're actually tying the launch of 10 Smugs to a, um, to a, fo- uh, to a, a tour that we've gotten together with Robert Evans and um, Kurt Aponovich, um, who they have photographymentor.com, but they have a new, a new way of shooting called Photo Fusion. And they've set up a Photo Fusion tour of 10 cities. Uh, you can go to photofusiontour.com and, and see all of that. And we're sponsoring, along with Bay Photo and Couture Books, we're sponsoring these 10 cities. And at the end of each one of these, we're starting and launching smugs, smug mug user groups in each one of these cities. And in essence, I'm finishing... At Smug Mug, what I started at Pictage, which is to build the greatest photography community in the U.S. Um, and it's not going to be limited to Smug Mug users. It's going to be limited to anybody who loves shooting. And uh, and that's the way it will always be. Um, so if you're interested in, in what cities we're going to be at, you can go to photofusiontour.com and take a look. Excellent. So that's an interesting twist because I know the, the Pictage user groups, of course, are limited to folks that... Well, I think anyone can go, right? At least to the first I think meeting. For the first couple times, but then they try to limit it down. And you know, I, I, look, I, I was the one who set that up, and mm-hmm. and I realized the mistake I made there was limiting it. I mean, the truth is, is that there is information and knowledge to be gleaned from everybody. And what I've really learned, and I have to tell you that the the, the guys who founded Smug Mug, um, uh, Chris and Don McCaskill, um, I, I, I meet a lot of really smart people. I don't know I've ever met anybody smarter than these guys. Yeah. And one of the first things that I learned from them is that you never try to tell people how great your product is because it takes away from the real value of the product. Mm-hmm. So in Smugs, what we're going to do is we're going to get everybody together based on the love of what it is they do. And if it turns out that we get more Smug members to our Smug Mug Pro product, then that means we're doing it right. And if it turns out we don't, that means we're doing it wrong. And what a better, no better way to learn than to go to those meetings ourselves and figure out how to do it. So, so if, you're talking about philosophies earlier. Yeah. I think that's probably the biggest uh, change in philosophies, particularly for me and having worked at both companies. Being being open, you mean? Yeah, you know, it's it's that that um, you don't need to build. You know, I used to I used to make the statement that good fences make good neighbors, and I think there's probably some truth to that in a lot of different circumstances, yeah. but not in this industry. In this industry, what you want is you want as many neighbors as you can get, and you treat them right, and you give them opportunities, and you share with them, and you know what, they'll become good neighbors. Um, so that's you know that's that's the big difference. So Jeff, is is Smug Mug going to help with the marketing after the fact? 
So, you know, marketing, and I'm, I'm saying this tongue in cheek with emails to the customer, to the clients, right. that kind of thing. Or, yeah, or we are, gonna- but there's, the difference, of course, is number one, we're we're five years smarter than we were when I introduced that stuff at Pictage, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, it's funny. I'm going to be able to, to say, I have to take the blame for all of the stuff that, you know, that we're going to change here, right? I mean, the stuff that Pictage does that I no longer agree with, you know, I got to take, you know, like, like Obama says, it, the buck stops here on that stuff. I actually introduced a lot of that. Some of it was good, some of it was bad, but now we're smarter. And what we're really going to be doing at Smug Mug is making sure that we create outbound marketing stuff that really helps sell the images and sell the companies, but with a much higher sensitivity to this, this, um, this problem of spam and, and opt-in, opt-out, and, and that's and that's that's one of the things that I, I wrestle with all the time. You know that um, the general philosophy at Pictage was um, everybody needs to opt out, and the general philosophy at Smug Mug is everybody needs to opt in. And honestly, while the opt in is certainly more attractive to me um, emotionally, I know that it's not an either or answer. And so with five years of knowledge and an entire industry educating us, what we're going to be doing is is rolling out over the next few months services and market marketing services and online services that will help in the same way that Pictage helps its members. We're going to be helping uh, our members as well. In addition to that, helping amateur slash pros move up to a point where they can make some money doing this. Excellent. So, so I, I know you have a hard stop, but I there's a quick question about pro products at Smug Mug. So I've been using mm-hmm. Smug Mug for I don't know several years now, but I've been just you know I've been I, ever I guess, since you left Victage apparently. I, yeah, well, I've I've been <laughs> I was I've had a Smug a oh, truth be known I've had a Smug Mug account since before I joined Pictage. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> I've I've had it, you know, but because honestly, I was never the target market for the Pictage customer. You know, you have That's to true. you That's have to true. shoot a certain amount of of uh, events in order for it to make sense for you. And I, and was, I, I wouldn't have minded anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, been happy with the service. So what's the Delta between what I'm using right now or what many people are using right now and what the, this, the pro products will offer? Well, again, I think that we're, we're some of the stuff um, I, I don't want to talk about in detail. Now we've got kind of a, an internal rule that we, we don't, we don't talk about it until it's real, but mm-hmm. I think you can certainly see that we're moving in the direction with a pro uh, uh, service, moving in the direction of offering things that are other than just image enhancement and image management online. Mm-hmm. And again, we go back to being able to create lists and manage the lists and give your bride a place um, for her to go and see the images that are being shot, maybe even before the wedding, um, a, a destination location. Yeah. One of the things that, that Smug Mug does that um, no one else that I know of does is, is uh, at least in the in the wedding industry, is the customization of the site um, where you can actually turn it into your landing page. One of the big issues for us, and this is the reason we have this relationship with um, with Photography Mentor, is that we host um, high high definition video online. And so this concept of photo fusion, which is, I think, in my opinion, is the next uh, inflection point. This is the next big thing. Uh, when when you see photo fusion, uh, as you see it start to roll out, and this is the combination of still images and small animated uh, snippets, uh, all kind of rolled into a video presentation. And we're actually working with Couture Books to be able to include that video presentation as part of the album. I mean, as an wow. example, there'd be a... 
you know, a, an iPod Touch with this beautiful video presentation built right into the front page of the album where the images would be later. The testing we've done and the, the discussions we've had is this is going to be really, really huge. And that is perfect for us because we have the technology um, to, to host a lot of these high-definition videos online where that's not available in a lot of other places. As you and I both experienced when we tried to start uh, Pictage TV, hosting video online is really, really, really hard. Yes, it is. And, and in fact, very few people do it well. And I have to say that the, the technology team, the Sorcerers of Smug Mug, are expert at this, and if you, if anybody's interested, you should really check out how we host and the quality of the images that we have online at SmugMug.com because I've never seen anybody else host images. Vince LaFerrey, he hosts, we actually host um, his Fusion image um, online as well. So pretty, pretty amazing stuff, and I think this is the next generation. And that was that, the, the Vincent uh, movie, that was the revelry clip yeah, that he put exactly, in that movie, exactly. right? And in fact, um, um, Kurt and Rob Evans did something similar for the wedding industry, which that you can, again, see on photofusiontour.com, mm -hmm. um, that is like very much like Ravelry, but for the wedding industry. It's just amazing, amazing what you can do with this. Excellent. So are you and uh, Jason Kiefer still on speaking terms, Jeff? I, I would hope so. <laughs> uh, I, I spoke to him just before I, um, I came to work for the company, and... Um, uh, I, I, I had, you know, I know he's looking for uh, a new CEO, and I, I've heard rumors that he's actually found one. So you might want to do a scoop on that and try and find out who that is. Excellent. Um, but um, you know, I, I, I certainly hope that at least in this industry, I've, I've worked very hard to try not to make any enemies, and I certainly don't feel that uh, just because uh, I'm not there anymore that uh, there's any animosity. And, and I would hope that Jason feels the same way, and I don't have any indication he doesn't. Excellent. So this it's not personal. This is really all just about delivering the best stuff for for the for our, our customers and it just turns out in this industry our customers are also our friends yep yeah it's a it's a very small industry so yeah. yeah yeah that's why i came back i mean after i left pictage i spent a year and a half as you know traveling and working for a company in um in belgium yeah and i have to say that um I was jonesing to get back to the wedding industry the entire time I was gone, and now that I'm back, I, I have to, uh, you know, I got to be honest and just tell you that this is the, this is the greatest job ever, and I'm so glad to be back in this industry, surrounded by people I, I know and love, and doing stuff uh, that makes uh, makes other people happy. It's just the best place to be. It's definitely not a boring industry. I'll tell you that. No, it's cool. <laughs> It's extremely cool. I used to, I mean, I've been in technology for almost 27 years, and I can tell you that my software has made millions of people efficient. But until I got into the wedding industry, I didn't think any of my stuff ever made anybody happy. <laughs> and now that I'm in, in the wedding photography industry, every single day I'm in it, I know that something that I touched or was involved with or was peripheral to has made somebody happy. And man, that's, that is an amazing um, uh, value proposition to have in your job. That's awesome. Well, Jeff, where, where can people go to find out more about all these things that we've been talking about? Uh, you can just go to smugmug.com, and um, there's a lot. There's links on the on the homepage. There's even going to be a um, a photo fusion tour link there uh, in the next 24 to 48 hours, and um, and then ultimately we'll have a smugmugpro.com site, which is still being worked. That will have links to the community and an online forum, a private forum, very much like uh, like I set up over at uh, Pictage. And um, we're going to take all of the really great ideas that have worked out from Pictage. We're going to replicate them, and then we've got a whole bunch of our own ideas that we're going to pile on top of them for the community and for growth in silicon valley in silicon so. valley that kind of reminds me of uh yahoo and google <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm gonna say we're google i'm not saying who's who but i'm just saying 
Yahoo, Google, Apple, Microsoft. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to say we're Google or Apple, but uh, I don't I don't think we're Yahoo or Microsoft. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Jeff. We'll, we'll put all these no all these links in the show notes so people can just click on through to the different sites and and whatnot. But thanks so much for coming on. It's been it's a pleasure, Frederick. And uh, it's been too long since we got together. I'm looking forward to seeing you again. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. All right, buddy. That was Jeff Yoakum. He's the chief marketing officer of Smug Mug. If you want to learn more about uh, the things that Jeff was talking about in the interview, just head over to SmugMug.com or check out the show notes on Twiplog.com. Let's jump into listener questions right now. And the first one I'm going to assign to Mr. Scott Bourne. Uh, let me read this real quick. It says, uh, thanks so much for producing the show. It's really inspired me. Uh, basically what he's saying, he wants to know how to achieve uh, eye sharpness in images. How, do they, how, does, how does he make the, the eyes pop out of the picture to draw attention? Well, lots of things to talk about. When you're talking about getting a sharp image, there there are many things that you want to look at. Number one, you want to make sure that you don't have any camera shakes. So using a tripod helps. Using a fast enough shutter speed, either in, instead of a tripod or even in conjunction with, can help. Making sure that you have uh, reasonable light, because to get the eyes to really pop, you've got to have a catch light in the eyes. So you want to make sure that you've got some sort of light behind the camera that's, that's in the eyes. And then shooting wide open, I read the original question. It was a little longer than, than you put on there, Fred, but it, it, it was fairly detailed about wanting to make sure that the face and the eyes were sharp against the soft background. He was using examples of, I see all these pictures with really soft backgrounds, really sharp eyes, how you do that. Well, one other thing to do is shoot fairly wide open. You want to shoot with like an F4, F28, F35, maybe F56. These wider apertures will cause the background to disappear, which makes the eye and the face apparently more sharpened and that that draws our attention into the eye and to the face if the background's really sharp and like you're shooting at f22 and you got lots of detail in the background the background competes with the face and it's harder for our eye to discern the the you know place that we're supposed to look at the picture but if we have a a, a nice bokeh the background or bokeh or bokeh or you pick however you want to pronounce it uh you, you if we have a nice background then we tend to look at the face first and then a lot of the really sharp eyes you see some of that's some post-processing where you just selectively sharpen the eyes using any number of different sharpening tactics but it starts with camera shake you want to eliminate that if you're shooting at slow shutter speeds, you want to make sure that your, your model is not moving if possible. Getting some light on the subject. Using flash is a really good way to stop any movement because the sync speeds usually going to be fast enough that you, you're not going to have to worry about it. And then, uh, you know, thinking about blurring your background, drawing attention to the face, and then maybe some post-processing on the eyes. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks a lot. All right. This next question is targeted at Ron. Uh, this is from a listener, Tim Lyman. He says, after hours of work in Photoshop, creating composite portraits and getting the color balance just right, why do my photos take on a green tinge when uploaded to Flickr? Love the show. Keep up the good work, etc., etc." What do you think about that, Ron? Well, it's almost certainly a color profile issue. Uh, we could spend hours discussing what color profiles are, but there's, there's sort of a little tag that can live in the, in the header of, a, of an image that pretty much tells your computer or your monitor how to display it. Uh, and if you're working in Photoshop on, on any decently configured machine, you're, you've got that information taken advantage of. 
But sometimes when you go up to uh, to the web, the problem is not all browsers are capable of reading that information. And sometimes, and you don't really know where the problem is necessarily, uh, Flickr preserves that profile. So if your browser is capable of keeping track of that and, and doing the right thing with the monitor, then it should show it correctly. But the problem is, depending on your, the tool you're using to upload, uh, depending on the browser you're using, that tag information may not be respected. Uh, I know, you know, Safari has, has always been really good with keeping track of profiles. Firefox can do it, but it's an option. I can't remember if it's turned on or off by default. And I don't know, these days, Internet Explorer, I don't know how often it's it's working properly or not. So I, I suspect that's probably the difference you're seeing. All right, cool. Very quick, very succinct. And this last question is going to go to Steve Simon. Uh, listener Timothy Powell wants to know, why use a macro lens instead of a zoom lens to get up close to a small object like, say, an insect? Thank you. Well, I guess uh, you guys maybe can back up on this one with me, but uh, uh, you want to have the right tool for the right photographic job, and uh, macro lenses are designed to focus in really close. They're distortion, they're, you know, they're set up, the elements within the lens are set up to minimize distortion uh, for shooting in really tight and close, and they'll give you uh, more, um, uh, they'll, get, they'll get you in closer than, generally speaking, any kind of zoom lens uh, will, even ones that do um, have close focusing abilities. So it's just a question of having a specialty um, a piece of equipment, a specialty tool for the particular task at hand. Excellent. All right. Steve Simon. Steve, do you do you shoot a lot of macro stuff? Or are, you, what, are you normally shooting just people and vistas and that kind of thing? Yeah, I do not, but I definitely like to have the option of going in really, really tight and close. And uh, it's something I always encourage people because I think uh, those of us that have done workshops uh, understand that one of the, the biggest uh, problems, I think, and I, I you know, hazen to call it a problem, but people just don't get close enough. And, and I think that uh, getting out of your comfort zone, moving in to the minimum focus on your lens and just exploring the world that way could be uh, an eye-opening experience and, uh, and, and, and sort of get people out of their, their box, so to speak, that they, they, they tend to, to shoot in a similar way all the time. Yeah, cool. All right. Uh, if you'd like to have the TWIP panel take a crack at answering your questions, just head over to twiplog.com and submit your question over there, and we will hopefully get to answer it on an upcoming show. Coming up next week, we're going to have a another exciting interview. We're still deciding on what interview that's going to be. So uh, definitely tune in or download or however you're consuming the show. And coming up in between weeks, we're going to be feverishly working on enhancing twiplog.com. So definitely head over there. And if you have any comments on what the site looks like or how you would like to have us uh, change it or add to it or take away from it, leave your comments there as well. And we'll- I hate the collar. <laughs> I can't read that font. And if you like photo focus or you don't like photo focus, be sure to contact Scott Bourne somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Because he loves your comments, ladies. Leave a comment on the blog for me is what I want you to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wait a minute, I changed my mind. I I changed my mind. I do like the color. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I still hate the font. There's too much jocularity on photofocus.com. Can you? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> cool. All right. Scott, uh, Scott, I think you need, to put, you need to have one place on your blog <laughs> where people can leave comments about the fact that there's no place to leave comments on the blog. Yeah, I do actually have that place, but it's a secret. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Uh-oh. Is it? Who's that calling in? I think it's Steve Simon's back Simon. again. Hey, I missed you guys. <laughs> All right, Steve, you're you're back just in time to say goodbye. Where where can people where can people find you? Uh, they can find me um, uh, next to the geyser or geyser, sorry, at uh, Yellowstone Park uh, for the Aperture Nature Workshop, uh, April 29th. Looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Very excited. And uh, at my website, stevesimonphoto.com, and on my new love, Twitter, slash Steve Simon. All right. And Mr. Scott Bourne, where can people find you? Twitter, Scott Bourne, all one word, scottbourneallonword.com, which is sort of an aggregator of all my feeds and my live stream, and over at the new photofocus.com. Excellent. Ron Brinkman. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Ron Brinkman, all one word, two ends at the end of Brinkman. Got it. Not the, not the Cylon base ship. <laughs> or there, maybe. <laughs> I'll be hanging out. And Aaron Mailer, where, where are you at? You can find me at my blog, halfpress.com. Um, on Twitter is halfpress, and uh, quite a bit right now on twiplog.com. And Steve, <laughs> I suspect you could probably stand next to a geezer or a geyser when you <laughs> simultaneously. Yes. If, he's standing next, if he's standing next to me and the geyser, it will indeed be simultaneous. <laughs> nice. I'll, get a, I'll be sure to get a picture of that and Twitter it. Okay. And if you're looking for me, Frederick Van, you can find me uh, on Twitter as well at twitter.com slash Frederick Van or on my blog at frederickvan.com. And that's it for another episode of This Week in Photography. It's time to take that lens cap off. 